What's shaking, folks, from the Robotrax studio in beautiful downtown Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which has no downtown, but there are bars and pizza places hip, and hip, 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 bagel hip, joints hip, everywhere. Hip. It is uh, Steven <laughs> with Jonah and Brad. Hip. Yavol, Mike is uh, working, but we're going to hear from him hopefully soon. I think Brad has the hip ups. <laughs> oh, I figure Brooklyn get that would be here. the hip hops. <laughs> Shabam. So, okay, so I, I had to pee very quickly before we began this. And I didn't realize that in this public studio that we were in, I did what I do at home. Whereas uh, as I'm en route to the restroom, I'd already unzipped my pants. <laughs> So I apparently just walked out in front it. of everybody. I, and just you don't get enough sleep, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good move. That's a very good move. I, it's a bold move. I have to say, I have actually caught myself doing like halfway to doing that. <laughs> I've never actually completed the full unzip. How often do you brush your teeth while you're peeing? Wow, that would be a never for me. But really, you, this is this is on Not you. I do re- it every single night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm somewhere in between you guys. Sometimes, <laughs> if I'm in a hurry or sometimes it feels right, but I do it, you know, semi-regularly. I, I'm reticent to admit this, but I have, a, I have a, not like my zombie thing, but I have a weird teeth brushing thing. Okay. Where, for some reason, like watching people brush their teeth or me doing it myself, just kind of, just one of those things that as a kid, like kind of creeped me out that stayed with me. So when I brush my teeth, and my wife will tell you, I, I look like I'm, you know, herniating myself because I lean forward over the sink and I brush really fast. I don't stand up straight and I just spit it out very quickly and I drink water and I just get the fuck out do of you there. Not, do you ever not watch yourself? Like No, I never wash myself. Okay. Yeah. Really? Are you doing a good job, Stephen, because your teeth are important. They do, my, yeah. My teeth are immaculate. I've been to the dentist once in the past nine years and there was nothing wrong. And I guarantee if I go again... There will be nothing wrong. So you shouldn't even go. Save that money. That's what I do. Yeah. Save it. I, and I treat doctors the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Which is a very dude thing to do. That's why I think health insurance should be health insurance should be like a boat sinking. You know, women and children first. Well, that happened to me. Like you know, like um, you're on a boat. No, but I've had this. You know, like obviously I've had this thing. My ears have been ringing for a while, and they were like, "You should get a hearing test." And I was like, "I'd rather just get custom earplugs." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like. Well, you're going to go and you're going to give me this test and be like, yeah, your hearing is really good or it's not good. There's nothing we can do either way. Might as well get something that will actually save it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like getting tests to tell you stuff that you can't fix, it's right. kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. Your head hurts. This will ease the pain. All <laughs> yeah. right, I back that one. Yeah, exactly. That one works. Uh, I fell on my skateboard and messed up my wrist. Uh, yeah, that's just going to have to heal over time. Yeah. I knew that before I came in here. Yeah, it's... I feel that's 80% of doctor's visits. And I... then when you're a kid, you don't care. But when you're an adult and you're like, this is really expensive. <laughs> like, this is like the most expensive thing ever. My doctor, and it's the same one my wife goes to, we'll come out of there being like, like we have to kind of grill him. We have to tell him what to do. Yeah. yeah. It's like he'll sit there and look at you and nod your head. Yeah, okay. Mm, yeah. Like, so what am I supposed to do about this, man? <laughs> I can write you up a prescription. Yeah, you need to write that prescription, take out that pad, and put Valium <laughs> on it. Then you write the other prescription for what I need. But the Valium is what I want. He's a young doctor, so you th- I, th- I always think he's going to have like some kind of cool, like, oh, yeah, well, if maybe if you could stretch out or do yoga or right, just something. Right, right. And he never – I have to say it, you know. I'm like, well, should I stretch out maybe or something? Like, that happened to me. The doctor said, so how's your diet? And I went, it's terrible. And he went, like, what? I, went, I ate a lot of candy. Like, like, how much is that? I'm like, constantly. And he went, oh, yeah. But that was, that was it. <laughs> there was, which I kind of liked. There was yeah, no follow-up yeah, of, eat yeah. fruits and vegetables, take I, better care of yourself. I, yeah, I, if something's broken and you need to set it and put it in a cat, like, I get that part. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like, especially with the internet, <laughs> Although the internet uh, can be bad, it can be bad. But I feel everything's like, true there. I feel like if you get, I've looked on the internet and I had definitely have AIDS and cancer know, and Lyme disease. Diagnosis and Lyme disease. But I feel like if you know what it is and then you get a couple, you're like, okay. Like I feel like as long as you don't go too deep down that wormhole, if you just get like glean the basics, that's all your doctor's going to tell you anyways, probably. Hmm. No, I can't support the. Actually, I had one doctor say, "If you're going to do the internet, just go to WebMD. That one's. Legit. Oh, I do Yahoo Answers. Well, that works too. Because because like the next question is like, how can I build an airplane for under a hundred dollars? Well, this is vastly more interesting than why my ears are ringing. Exactly. I know how that happened. Exactly. Apparently, um, balsa wood. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, and it would also float. You didn't say how big an airplane. <laughs> That's a Paper. very good point. <laughs> Fold it this way. Fuck you. Give Send me, me $100. Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, entrepreneurship. Uh, today's, t- today's, today's guest is Ryder Robeson from the great band Vox, the late great band Vox. Yes. If you have never heard of Vox, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, um, but they have a record called There Must Be Some Way to Stop Them, which is, they have a couple records, but that is my favorite. That record is incredible. It's still great. I if, still listen to it. If you ever saw Vox, you never forgot them. They're one yes. of those bands that just, uh, you, you wonder how, th- this is the true tragedy of music in general, is that a band like that that was so good, like never garnered a following and even got, you know, a major label deal, but never garnered that. So Ryder was the bass player in the band and then Ryder decided to stop being the band, move to New York, be an artist. And oh, and then someone said, hey, why don't you model? Yeah. I mean, it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We I all remember that down. phase when you moved here and people are like, you should model. And you're like, I don't know. Like, I want to focus on my art. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's done that. He's- I was like, Battlestar Galactica's on. I really, you know, I don't want to get money. You know, can you take pictures of me watching Battlestar yes. Galactica? But Ryder definitely not like what you would think of as like a model in, in the pretentious kind of set. I mean, he's a super smart dude, super artistic, and just kind of good at everything, and a really good guest. And his voice will lull you to sleep. It will. In a good way. Good? Not like that. <laughs> Here's Ryder. It's going on the good stuff's over we might as well just go to lunch all right lunch tell you guys talked you said everything cool i was on the roof (laughs) (laughs) that's right this this morning began with brad and i talking about stories about how our how our children both have you know children get hurt so horribly (laughs) and you is like but it's always more you it's more horrible it's more it's worse for the parent because the kids got you know this gaping wound like do 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 gonna play and you're like but you're bleeding you know yeah well the kids are made of rubber it's ridiculous Ridiculous. Well, they are, they are They're made of rubber. That's why, like, oh, I see, like, little kids skateboarding. I'm just like, oh, you'll be fine. I'll I get think that's up. fascinating how in the X Games there are these 12-year-olds doing the mega ramp now. And really? Yeah, and their parents are, you know, like, Obviously my don't age. don't care about their children. Don't care <laughs> about their safety. And letting them do this. And some kid does a, what's, there's, like, Tony Hawk does the 900, and this kid does a 1080 or whatever the, the yeah. next one up is. And... I'm like, well, of course he can. He has a low center of gravity. He can, <laughs> of course he can do these tricks. Yeah. Do it when you're 23 and that'll impress me. Yeah. But the rules. Your bones will break when you're 23. Your bones will just kind of go. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're, when you're when, Yeah, when you're, when you're 12, it's just like, when did you break my arm? About an hour ago. It's fine yeah. now. Yeah. So, but the X Games judges said, well, if they can skate, they should be able to compete, which is kind of cool. You yeah, know? but I think there should be like an age thing too because, yeah. I don't know. But I think by that token, he'd be like, how old is he? He's 54. <laughs> Let him skate because he will die. That's, That's all you hear. <laughs> Fuck. Dude, me and Ryder have skated together before. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. We went to that skate park in Ohio. Yeah. Do you still skate? You went to uh, Skatopia? I can't remember. Where. I used to go to a skate park in the morning before work when I worked at AP. And then go to work all right sweaty there? and yeah. like gross and late. As the music editor. Yeah. <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> well, then we should definitely begin our guest today as writer. And I know I'm going to ruin your last name because I think I've never pronounced it correctly. Robeson. Oh, then I do write. I do say it correctly. Yeah. Ryder Robeson is our guest today. He was in Vox and then he disappeared and became an artist and ended up on Esquire magazine. We're going to talk about <laughs> up to there and the in-between. Because let's just get it out of the way. The last time I saw Ryder... I don't even know how we met. I'm trying to remember. It was something at something interview, hanging out some somewhere. But yeah, probably warped tour. Probably warped. But you were there. Warped tour. And you and you were an artist. And uh, Joan and I worked on a television show on Fuse. We've mentioned called Stevenson Title Rock Show. Mm-hmm. And at one point, we got a budget, which was rare. We were going to get money, and we we're going to cover it in original artwork. And Ryder, you were an artist. Mm-hmm. I said, do you want to do this? You're like, yeah, I'd love to. And you came by the studio, and you had a tape measure. You measured the walls. You're like, I can do some stuff. And then you were never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't know you had a budget. Otherwise, I would have stuck around. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't worry. They saw that they had a budget and it got slashed. Literally, I watched the decimal point move over <laughs> until we had nothing. And the final designer we had like the week before, we're like, can you just do something with this amount of money? There ended up being no walls. And I think there was a curtain. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so you made the right call by not calling. <laughs> it wasn't my intention. I don't know what happened. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that's been blanked out for no reason, really. But... Uh, it's kind of how I felt after seeing Vox play. What's that? After seeing your band Vox play. Because <laughs> it's just like, the music sounded great. I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> we had a very good knack for the live performance. And I mean, I don't know. Do you ever see this when I used to blow fire on stage? Did you ever see that? I don't. I saw you guys a lot of times. I don't think I ever saw you. I never saw the though. fire. One of the last times I did it was at Hessfest. Cleveland. Derek yeah, Cleveland. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. That was one of the last times I did it, and I used to use the end of a, uh, like crutches, you know, like aluminum crutches. Mm-hmm. So I'd take the end, I, I don't know, I took the end of it and it had a little rubber tip. I'd just wrap it in a towel and I'd get a pint glass filled with Everclear and just have it sitting on stage. There'd be a section of the song where it was just an open D, and so I didn't have to use my left hand. So I'd just light the torch, blow it out, and at that particular Hess Fest, it the I did it real quick. I had to use one fifty one from behind the bar because I ran out of Everclear. And how'd I, that happen? But, uh, was, you know, blew a lot of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then so the the torch the torch went out. It was still in my hand, and I just chucked it to the back of the crowd. And I nailed some dude in the face. And then uh, after the show, this dude came up with a you know swollen cheek, and he was like, "Dude, you hit me in the face." And I was like, "Oh, sorry. You want a t-shirt?" And he's like, "Awesome. See you later." And I was like, okay. And, and then like that happened, and then the the Great White incident happened, where the you know the big pyrotechnics oh, yeah. yes. went went away or, or whatever the fuck um, Rhode went Island. wrong. Yeah. And so after that, they changed all the fire codes, and we were. Uh, contractually not allowed to blow fire on stage anymore and it was yes it was probably for the best and rightly so yeah yeah (laughs) it happens um so how long was vox around vox was around from we started in 97 i left in 2006 and i came back to play the last show in 2007 where was the last show last show was at the bluebird theater in denver is that Uh, where you started yeah yeah we started in denver it was um it started out just four of us. It was me, the singer Quentin, drummer Joey. The three of us went to art school together. And Adam, the guitar player, he and Joe were in a band together previously. And then we brought on Chris uh, on guitar, and then Greg came in. And uh, so it ended up being six of us. And we started in Denver, and then uh, towards the end of it, you know, like half of us we're just sleeping on couches that didn't have girlfriends. And I always wanted to move to New York. Like, cause I, I started art in school and, um, where'd you go to art school? Uh, first school was Rocky Mountain college of art and design in Denver. That's where I met Joe and Quentin. And then, uh, I dropped out and finished school, at university of Colorado Boulder. And, uh, uh, me and Greg were the last two to graduate, and six days after we graduated, we so packed you, up and hit You didn't get sucked into the pot smoking and snowboarding of Boulder that just keeps you there for the rest of your life? No, because <laughs> miraculously at that time, I was not smoking pot, <laughs> and, which was a very good thing. And uh, so, But I used, to, I, I used to build snowboards for this company, Beeline, that was around, so that helped pay through school, and uh, did that for three years, and by the end of it, like, the fumes and everything in that place were so bad that I would have to go into the office, leaving the warehouse. I'd have to go into the office, sit there and wait for like 20 minutes until my eyes cleared up because my eyes would like milk over and I could Ugh. just see like two little pinholes. And so I'd have to wait like a half hour so I could see, so I could drive back to Boulder. I'm getting this total disregard for your own safety so far. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, you just, you, the one thing my dad said to me when I was younger, he's like, you never want to ask yourself, what if? So try everything. Fuck it. <laughs> I I understand that statement <laughs> to a point. But I understand it, and I have never practiced it. <laughs> but I'd like to thank your father for uh, changing the way I parent. Because <laughs> I'm never going to utter that. 
If you're in a room full of chemicals for a length of time that you can no longer see... <laughs> Maybe you, you always wonder what it would have been like if you hadn't done that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Well, I, needed to, I needed to find out. I was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman for a short time, and I didn't realize that I wanted to do that. And I tried it, and I didn't do it anymore. You I'm might a- have come up with with an alternative energy source by now if you hadn't been making those fucking things. You were vac- you- <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't killed your brain cells. You, you did vacuums. What's that? You sold vacuums. I yeah. Uh, but I that got... sucked. Oh, shabam! I was trying to see if Jonah would get it first. That was really good. <laughs> that was Jonah would have got it if he hadn't, if he wasn't half asleep right now. <laughs> I know. I feel so out of it. But we'll. What I'll, I'll bounce back. What'd you I do DJed last night. Uh, at that DJ night, and it went, went really late. DJ JD. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just. Did we just talk about this vacuum thing like two nights ago? I think. Or the other that. night. Um, you should tell that story. It was, which, which the vacuum selling? Didn't you sell it to your friends or something? Oh well, it was yeah. I probably did say it the other night. Yeah, it's I only did it for like uh, two months, but it was after I dropped out of art school and I was trying to find a job, trying to find something to do, and it ended up being a pyramid scheme that I didn't realize. And you know, because I was eighteen, I just needed money. I answered a job in the paper that was like fifteen some change an hour, and I was like, sweet. So I went in and sat in at the meeting, and it turns out that it was like based off sales. If you sell X amount, then you make this much money per hour. But it was in, this was 1997, 98, and I was selling $1,500 vacuums to people that were in fucking trailer homes. <laughs> sold them. I actually sold them. I was able to sell $1,500 vacuum to a person that can't afford food and... But then their checks bounced, and I never made any money. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> yeah. Now you fr- so you're from Colorado? Uh, yeah, I lived in Colorado for 15 years. Um, I got, my dad was in the Navy. Ah. So I was born in Oslo, Norway, and then I was there for 18 months. And then we'd be on in Washington for a few years, then Tampa, Florida for a few years, and then Colorado. I went to high school, finished college in Colorado. Did the band, and then the uh, first time I came to New York, I just felt really, really comfortable. And just like, okay, that's where I want to go. Right on. Navy brat. So I was an army brat, so. What's that? I was an army brat, so. Uh, we, you know, we did that moving all over. It's real fun. You see, I didn't, like most, mo- all the kids I knew in the army, you guys moved around way, way more than I did. I only mm-hmm. had like four big moves. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but it was. I think it's good. I mean, it, it, like at the time when you're a kid, you hate it. I did. Oh, yeah. Least, you know, because like, as soon as you make a friend, you got to leave them. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, but like the way that we did it, we would go from, you know, we were living in Washington, and then we drove like down the West Coast and all along the South. So like we would take two months through the summer to move so you get to see a lot of the country that way. And so that was... That's cool, at least. Yeah, it was like a nice little intro to touring. What was, what was your dad's rank in the Navy? What kind? He um, he retired as a captain. Right on. Why so. do you move so much in the Army? It's not like you're going to fight wars in other areas. Like, why... Wait, what? Like, why do you have to move so much with those well, kind of get, jobs? They get stationed and they... they you, my, my dad was a... He was a, uh, for a while, like when we were living in Washington, he was a navigator for EA6Bs. So he sat in the back and you know, ran everything and in the planes. But then he had options for, they just, there's so many people in the military, like you get stationed somewhere, like there's a new project that comes up or they just, I don't know, they just move you around a lot. And so he had a choice of, it was like Australia or the Philippines or something where he would be gone a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then he started. He decided to work in Space Command and started doing like weird satellite stuff. And uh, see, that just sounds a thousand times cooler than anything my dad ever did. Space Command. I know Space Command. Space Command. <coughs> What's your dad? I <laughs> works at Space Command. Wait, what? Yes, he commands space. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> he tells the stars where to go. He commands our defenses in space. <laughs> I'm glad well, to know they're up there. <laughs> So you settled in, so he like, you, you were done in Denver, like Colorado was it for you. That's where you ended up and stayed for a while. That was yeah, your longest. Yeah. So they, he got, uh, the last place he got stationed was in Colorado Springs. Right. And so I uh, went to high school down there and that was uh, a wonderful introduction into the conservative world of 
massive churches that, yes. that were surrounding the Colorado Springs area. It's very, very they, and they got their fingers in everything too, like that whole Ted Haggard scandal thing. Which Ted Haggard ran uh, the New Life Church was like a big evangelical guy mm-hmm. that was you know against everything you know human based and um, <laughs> and then he was he voted against i think the long the short story was like he voted against uh gay marriage in De- in Colorado and then his gay prostitute lover that he'd been snorting meth off the dude's dick called him out and was like no you've been doing blow off my cock so and then he got he got outed and everybody and so oh now, yeah yeah, yeah. Actually, so no. like big whole thing so you see like <laughs> just a you know a stadium of white women and children just in this thing crying like oh my god and and but it was like no no he he barked the loudest so of course that's what he's doing pride goeth before the fall yeah look at that there you go <laughs> theater major what <laughs> uh, would uh, would you consider yourself an artist who ended up being a musician, or were you a musician first? Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, seems like creating you, something is what's where it all starts out with you. Yeah, I, like uh, on, I believe on my business cards it says artist slash musician, so artist would be first. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, that's well, not if, if it's before the slap, or you could just be alphabetic. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think they go hand in hand for me but i like i started painting and drawing when i was probably five and i used to you know like i think I, my my mom still has my first painting that i did when i was five years old and it was a landscape a painting of mount baker it was actually pretty good right on yeah it was very strange but um but they always went hand in hand like i always you know i'm always listening to different music and like that's what inspires like when i'm working if, you know, want to do something aggressively than you know, listen to Caius or right random shit. And then if I want to make something really nice and elongated, listen to Miles Davis. And Is Ryder the first like solo bass player we've had in here yet? No, no, Hunter. Oh yeah, Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, yeah, from AFI. Yeah, sometimes we've had we've had like a we're calling the rhythm section series where we've been having you know bass and drums in here a couple yeah. times. So, but yeah, okay, I was trying to see if it was the first. Bass players are the weirdos. It's true. Drummers are the fucking crazy ones. It's true. Guitar players are just yeah. douchebags. <laughs> I didn't say it. No, they're all good. It's, it's, all it's weird though. Like cause we <laughs> used to always joke about all the fucking. It's like, oh, you're a bass player. Why don't you have a goatee? Or oh, you're a bass player. Why aren't you a girl? Or oh, you're a bass player. Why aren't you madly overweight and have blue hair? And it's like. <laughs> yeah. That's all valid questions. <laughs> How'd you end up playing bass? What's that? How'd you end up gravitating towards bass? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was 11. My mom found an old silver tone hollow body guitar in her lost and found on the Air Force Academy where she was working. Nice. Some idiot left his guitar (laughs) in a place to buy tickets for the football games. And uh, so I started playing guitar when I was 11. And then the first band I was in, I was uh, singing or screaming, yelling for that matter. Um, And then when we started Vox... Initially, we were called Marjorie Reed after a day nursery. That was Marjorie Reed Day Nursery um, in Denver that like got shut down because the women running it like got caught doing black magic to the kids or something. <laughs> so it was like this weird, you know, oddly safe. I'm not going to Colorado ever. <laughs> I know it's it's a scary place. There's some <laughs> fucked up shit there. Hippies and freaks, dude. Why go, dude? Isn't it, isn't it in Denver? There they have like these parks in Denver in the city that there are mountain lions living in, like in the city. No. Yes. <laughs> Look this up. No. This is true. What Steven says is true. It's true. Yeah, there are mountain maybe, lions killing who have never been there. Yeah. Yeah. Park you're thinking of is called a zoo. But, <laughs> but. No. But I mean, there, there's mountain lions there. Yeah, like there was uh, uh, in Colorado Springs. Like there was a couple incidents where dude was jogging with a small dog. Mountain lion came out, snatched the dog, and dude was like, oh, "Okay, I'll keep running." And but that his... didn't happen that often. There's more coyotes than anything that you got to worry about. What about panthers? Panthers? Yeah. Well, that's down in Florida. Okay. Yeah, Florida <laughs> panther. <laughs> Ryder has like a panther tattoo and a panther, a lot of panther. Panther attack is my whole thing, I guess, which started as a joke. Like when 
Panther Attack's my website, pantherattack.com. My music publishing company is Panther Attack. And I made a mock record in my first graphic design class. It was a rock, mock record cover that was just called it the Panther Attack EP. And it was like my attempt at drawing on a computer with a mouse. And this was the worst, worst drawing of a panther, like clawing down, like, you know, with <laughs> like the claws creating blood and stuff. Like, basically, oh, the tattoo that I have on my arm. Um, but just a shitty, shitty drawing. And then I sent it out to a few people, a bunch of people sent it around, and it just became, Panther Attack became a joke, and then I just, I, I kept it. Were you just into Jungle Book? I love the Jungle Book. See? Oh, yeah. I loved all that shit. Bagheera, yo. Yeah. Bagheera Attack just doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> right on. So I ended up playing bass, to go back to that, I ended up playing bass because Vox couldn't find a bass player. Adam was playing guitar, I was playing second guitar, and we went through a bunch of different bass players, and then I think it was like three weeks, a few weeks before our first show, and I was like, fuck it, I'll play bass. It's like, it's just a guitar with less strings, and I'm, I'm, I'm retarded. It's not. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I was the world's worst bass player for the first four years, and then it became moderately okay throughout time. Yeah. So you guys were also called Eiffel at one point. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was between those uh, between Box was, and the first. Marjorie name? Reed was the very first name, and then we went through a bunch of different, you know, potential names. Like one of them was I Got Game, <laughs> and then that one didn't last. That, no, it was this was all in one one conversation. I actually really liked that one, <laughs> and which now, if you're in a band called I Got Game, like you'd be fine. You know, that's think, true. Yeah, you know, like all the fucking band names now. But then we. We chose Eiffel. I still remember that it was in the basement of Adam's house. Like this conversation between six dudes, like trying to decide on the band name. So we, we ended up going with Eiffel. I want I want someone to record all those conversations for all bands ever. Oh, that's <laughs> just ridiculous. Like the band name conversations, fucking it's, retarded. It's the worst. So we chose Eiffel. Then we had to change it once we got our first record deal because everybody's like oh well there's that band eiffel 65 and it's like yeah eiffel 65 is eiffel 65 because there's another band called eiffel that sued them and then so we got a cease and desist and so we had to change our name and then we played a handful of shows without a name and we would um we would put out a big sheet of paper and like ask the kids at the show like write down what your favorite band name would be and like what should we name our band and some of these kids like there was one kid that wrote he was he was serious too he was like i think you should name your band oh, like, 10 seconds of wet lips on a hot wiener <coughs> dead serious wrote it down <laughs> he was like you should name your band this how long was yeah. ted haggard in the show <laughs> so you know which but <laughs> 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 we chose vox from uh, that, that morrissey record vox hall and i we couldn't do vox due to numerous trademarks and then everybody's like well it's well isn't vox that's pronounced vo is like no we're american we're ignorant yeah smart <laughs> yeah i back that yeah can you like can you describe vox because i mean i you're one of those bands that i i heard of as you have to see them and you know that's yeah. kind of people do that with a lot of bands and if you're into music you get skeptical after a while of course and everything and sucks then i heard i have to you know go see vox and so uh I saw you at the the Continental, in, yeah. yeah, the Continental, and the stage was was all lights. Yeah, I don't know where you were, I don't no. know where the band was, but no. all I saw was an uh, it was it was uh, it was an Eiffel assault, you know, <laughs> and I was there's there's few bands. You remember it though, right? Oh yeah, there, well, there, there's that's what I'm saying. There's few bands that are hard to describe in a good way, and I think Vox was one of those. You had a very distinct sound. That was, and as as someone who's a jaded music nerd like myself, trying to put into words what Vox is, I find very difficult. So I'd like you to do it, and how you and how you guys formed what became that entity. I think one of the best ways to describe it that I always say is that there was six guys that we grew up in the hardcore scene, and we all loved Radiohead, we all loved weird artsy music, but loved heavy music too, and. When we first started out, it was very spazzy, screamy. And, uh, but we evolved into... It was just... I always like to call it... It was heavy alternative 
music at the end, you know, and, but everybody just wants, they're like, well, try to describe the sound. And it's like, well, there's six guys, there's three guitars, there's keys and there's this and this and that. And they'd be like, everybody just wants you to liken it to another band. That's always the easiest way to describe it. And so I think the aspiration that we had towards the end, like what we wanted to do is we wanted to, I don't know, see, it's hard. Yeah, well, you, you can't know. you can't compare Radiohead to another band. No, not at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though if you ask Radiohead, they would say, well, we really like the Pixies. But again, there's yeah. the Pixies who are have a sound that's familiar, but it's hard to compare them to another sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also felt like Beyond Virtue, or the last record, was so different kind of from the stuff yeah. before it. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. It, yeah, the last record was, when we did Beyond Virtue, Beyond Vice, that was like, uh, I was that was I'm very still very very proud of it and <clears throat> I don't know like we because we were writing heavy stuff but we wanted to get to the point where Quentin was really became a phenomenal vocalist towards the end he was always good and he was always weird with the lyrics that he had and like you know we were, before we started recording this we were talking about lyrically how things are just mm-hmm. can be god awful oh, but yes. he was very clever with what he did I mean he wrote you know, he wrote songs about drive through pornos and, you know, but good stuff, like funny things, like good stories. And um, You can't leave that hanging. drive through porno? Yeah, drive through drive through porn, like a drive through porn place. There was uh, a song called On Love in Cars, I think. I didn't know these places existed. This changes yeah. everything. No, but that's the thing. It didn't exist. It was like, oh, why okay, wouldn't you I... made something up. I'm sitting yeah. there going, wow, what? He always had good ideas before Colorado? they actually came to fruition. <laughs> like, there was... There was a few things, like we'd be driving around the country, he'd have an idea, he'd talk about it, and then like six months later, we'd see that product on a billboard being advertised from, you know, some other company made this thing. So that always made me think that like once you put an idea out, once you spit it out, it's out, and somebody's going to take it somewhere, so you got to capitalize on the shit. But I don't know what the fuck we sounded like towards the end. I mean, it was it was always like, sonically, it had that, sound of trying to be like you know later smashing pumpkins but with good vocals mm-hmm. and um no offense to the bald guy but um well he sings through his nose it's okay <laughs> huh? he sings through his nose he does it on purpose if you talk to him he doesn't sound like that yeah yeah, yeah that's, he, that, he, that's on purpose so yeah well okay Incre- i mean he did a, Incre- obviously he's a good songwriter did his yeah thing. um he doesn't listen to the show don't worry no oh, i don't care even if he did that'd be fun <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> how awesome would that be? Just walking down the street, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, it's Billy Corgan. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> meaning that he hit me. That's uh, right. He th- he asked. He he offered to hit me once in an interview in the middle of it, which was also odd. But yeah, he he'll he go offered. To, yeah, he's. I said something about. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. We're talking about songwriting. And he said, like, well, you know, I do something for a reaction. So, like, if I punch you, there'll be a reaction. And I said, well, I hope I duck. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird because the interview, he was just kind of weird. But then when the interview wasn't happening, all we did was talk about bad brains and have a ball. So it was like, you know, when when cameras are rolling, people get get kind of odd. Yeah. I really, I really sweat. (laughs) I just start sweating. I still say We never talked to you guys. We never interviewed Fox, I don't think. Or did we? Is that how we met? It's gonna be see things. Warp tour will black you out. That's like yeah. Oh, um, it, it it's oh man. I don't know how it's still going. I don't know how people survive that thing. What it's we a were younger, out we were, we were younger then. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> we were younger then. A lot. Yeah, we were made of rubber. That, that was like one. ten years ago. Now, how'd right. you guys meet? But like we were fucking driving ourselves, and like most every other, like there's still a lot of bands that drive themselves in vans and everything, but. I mean, we would play El Paso, Texas, and then next show, the next day, would be fucking Vegas. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter you have, how you... Do you have any idea how long that drive is? Dude, you can... It doesn't matter how young you are. That If you're in a fucking van on Warp Tour, it's it's like being in the in war. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it is. It's, yeah, it's a rich man's war, because it's like, oh, what do you have to do? I have to play music in front of people. <laughs> oh, poor you. But, but I got to no go sleep. through all this shit, and I got to, like, luckily... Me and Adam are the only ones that drank in the band out of the six guys. And, you know, Adam didn't even drink that much. I, I drank, you know, for everybody. <laughs> and 
And I was supposed to be the business guy. I was supposed to, you know, clear out the contracts at the end of the day. And, well, that makes sense. That's a good combination of gigs. <laughs> uh, Chris did the accounting, and that was very helpful because there would be times that, you know, the show, we played one show in Providence, Rhode Island, where I, I blacked out. And I just, I went behind the bar and I was like, where's my fucking money? Where's the money? And Chris was like, I settled it. It's cool. We got the con, everything signed. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, where's the fucking money? And he's like, it's okay. Let's just go over here. And then I ended up. I'm going to take this bottle of Everclear and set it on fire. In my mouth. <laughs> Which I did. Ah, that's creepy. Oh, sorry. That's my. That's yeah, okay. My, my finger bending thing. This translates well on. To a podcast, no, anything I visual. Mean, I didn't mean to Use your imagination. <laughs> no, it's I, I. I would do this in college a lot, where I take all my fingers and I'd bend them around each other. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's very odd. And then I would do nice. it in high school, where if you see it, it just looks like kind of like flipper hands. Yeah. That and I would just, weird. I would just, I would just sit at my desk and wait for the teacher to catch it and see if I could <laughs> see if I could ruin a lecture. I can only do these. <laughs> As you see, the Pleiades were. You okay? <laughs> no. I need to go to the nurse, obviously. <laughs> Please. It's <laughs> a good way to get out of class. <laughs> I, used to, I used to also give myself nosebleeds. Like hit your head on the desk? Nosebleeds? No. But, nope. And this is disgusting. Don't. Do it. If you pick, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> but if you pick one spot... You can pop a capillary up and you're not really. And I'd be like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Jesus, it's like shooting. Wow. It's like coming back to the war, uh, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Some people couldn't <laughs> do algebra, Brad. It needed to be elsewhere. That's true. He's got a good point. Because the hallways were way more fun. Yeah, well, that always kill a day. Um, <laughs> so what's a little blood when you're 15? Really? Yeah, exactly. So how did sort of I never really found out how the band kind of ended. Was it was it kind of a collective decision or was it? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is, so what, the good thing is we're all still friends. Okay, we're all still close. Like there's actually an ongoing text message stream because everybody now has iPhones and you know you can keep. The group message is going. There's, there, I have no idea how many messages. It's, it's like we're still in the van together because like there'll be somebody who'll put some weird nasty joke and then somebody reiterates and goes back and so we like we all still talk almost on a daily basis now. Um, I left first, and I got very very burnt out, um, and I felt like we were kind of going backwards because after the whole debacle with with the record label and um, hiring new management. And I just, I felt like I was at a point where I was like, I don't want to be sleeping on floors anymore. And it's not like I, I needed a, you know, my own hotel room or I needed anything. It was just, I, I was fucking tired. And um, the last tour that we did, made the decision for me because i don't even remember the name of the band but we were opening for this band of these young kids wearing fucking makeup that couldn't even play their guitars and they were drawing in crowds and i was like this i can't i can't do this anymore and i was embarrassed not of my band but of just being where i was and i was i i I was it was possible for me to get angrier and I got, I got really pissed off at everything. And I became an asshole to my family, like the dudes in the band. Like I was yelling at them for no reason. And, um, it's honestly the hardest decision I ever made. And it's cause it was like, I was leaving my family. And so I left and, um, towards the end of the, that tour, and we had like two more shows to play and i was like i'm I'm done we'll play these next two shows and they're like no that's it we don't need to do the shows and i got on a a fucking train and i went and saw my sister in california and stayed with her for a couple days and then um and then i came back to new york and then the band kept going um i actually saw them play at fat baby here in new york um, where Greg was playing bass, and that was that was the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen because it was 
it was like an out of body experience. I was like, I'm getting to see my band play finally. And so I was sitting there in this basement, you know, low level venue and watching what I used to do. And I was just like, I was like, these guys are awesome. This band is fucking awesome. And so I got really stoked. I was like, when I was also sad and, you know, every emotion you could possibly feel when you're a grown idiot like myself. And they, I don't know. After that, um, I remember Quentin called me. And he asked me, he was like, how, he's like, how is it not being in the band anymore? And I was like, it's hard, but it's good. You know, doing, I'm doing whatever I want now. And then, and then it kind of came to a collective thing because I know Quentin was wanting to leave as well. And then the guys talked and then there was this long discussion and it was like, all right, the last show, we're going to have a last show. And then that's it. So we played that show in 2007, um, and, but we've had a few offers recently to get back together and play shows, but I just, I, a lot of the guys want to do it, and I want to do it, but I don't think it's time yet, because it's like, they've been talking about releasing vinyl versions of the records, and which I think would be great, but it's like, we just kind of want that, you know? Like, there's, we don't have a, we don't have a following, we don't have a crowd, like, we don't have the five years the band hasn't been around like everybody's like yeah you know like if we were to do a reunion it would just be like oh there's nobody here <laughs> you know at the show like we don't we never had a big following we never <laughs> sold that many records we were just that was like we were saying before you have to see this band live mm -hmm. that was what we were yeah we couldn't sell records and it's not because like the music was fucking great the music's really good it was just it was easier to sell flashy bands that were out. And, you well, your, your band was a hard package to sell, you know? Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And, and as coming from an artist's perspective, I think you can understand that, you know, selling something, selling something so subjective to an objective marketplace is very difficult. Yeah. But I thought all the bands, like, on, on Volcom then were awesome. Like, Places to Park, yeah. like, you guys, like, The Line. Like, I thought all those bands were good, but I felt like none of them really, no one really... I guess we just never got really put in front of the right crowd or the right thing. Like we shouldn't have been playing Warp Tour, you know. Like we should we should have been inside, you know, a venue. Like playing your box small. outside doesn't make sense to me. No, no. Like it was be playing. We had, like we had a lot of fun and we did some <clears throat> crazy weird shit. And like you know, we set the stage on fire in Detroit. And Detroit's tried. a good place to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah didn't Did really. they notice? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, that's the thing. <laughs> didn't notice. Chris broke his guitar. Like we'd smash shit, get in fights, and not like with other people. I would do awful things to bands that I hated that were on the tour. I hit the uh, I hit the guitar player Simple Plan in the head with a full water bottle from like a hundred yards out. It knocked him on the ground. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I took a bullhorn in front of some band that I just thought was garbage, and I thought they were pedophiles, and I took a bullhorn in front of the crowd, and I was like, stop playing. Holy shit. <laughs> I was, and I started screaming that they were pedophiles because they were old dudes, and there was, like, young chicks in bikinis, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, really? You're fucking, you're writing children's music, and you shouldn't be doing this. Like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm an awful person, but I thought it was really funny at the time. It is hilarious. And, and then, like <laughs> me, you turned to modeling. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. no, I didn't. Come on. It turned to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it did not turn to me. Let's get into that. How did that come about? Aside <laughs> um, <laughs> the fact that it's hard for you to shimmer in this room full of handsome devils right here. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> you're pulling it off nicely see you can your whole ensemble you can do and not look like and, and forgive me a schmuck you can have the necklace the button the shirt open up a few buttons outside. and do that i know it's hot outside <laughs> but you can work it if i do that it just one it's like a it's a necklace hang between my man boobs it just doesn't it doesn't fit well the neck the necklace is definitely the sign of of good looking man you can do it or you after can't. you're like 25 if the you necklace? can rock a necklace you're good looking dude yeah you can pull it out i can pull off a or, necklace yeah you know we're I always had a thing for jewelry. I, I mean, I used to like to wear a lot of stuff, and I've yeah. Anytime I put anything on now, it's like, ugh. 
And it's the it's the length of a necklace. So, yeah. You know, you can some people wear ones that hang and, and fall low well, and that kind of thing. Me, I I wish I could. The thing with like with well with wearing a chain it, for me it was like my friends made this. It's like a bunch of shit that you know, like my buddy Derek Cruz that runs uh, Black Sheep and Prodigal Sons. Like he, this is a handcrafted piece of machinery, and we uh, I used to share a studio space with him. Awesome guy, Daniel Jackson is another designer that made some other things and he gave me it's actually i lost it I, like part of this had a big inverted cross on it and which was always fun for you know i bartend um and so i always like having you know a big upside down cross and talking to people like would you like to buy some food and they're <laughs> like why is why do you, do you believe in satan <laughs> and i just be like no actually i don't and they're like oh crosses okay, are always inverted it just depends on how you're looking at them What's that? Crosses are always inverted. It just depends on how you're looking at them. That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I don't know. You should say, to me, it's right side up. What's wrong with you when I look down? Yeah. Satanist. <laughs> um, maybe you do. Which is wrong. So it was either Peter or Paul who was actually crucified upside down. So it's actually okay if you're listening. God. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so modeling. Someone just said, hey, we're going to put you on film. You're pretty. Um, well, I was... You know, you're working as an artist or a musician. You need to find... You're not always going to be selling shit. And if you are, good. You know, mm. just sell your work and, you know, make your work. But uh, there was a, some, like, uh, casting people came... Like, I was just out drinking. Casting person came up to me and handed me a card. And so I called him and it was like, it was easy money. I did a... Uh, I got cast for a... a German TV commercial for Wrigley's gum, Airwaves gum, which is actually amazing menthol gum. It's awesome. <laughs> but, but they, it, it really, like, we actually, they, we, we, I were, get to model and I enjoy the product. <laughs> it's perfect crazy. job. Gum? Huh. <laughs> All the good like, candy is foreign, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but they, I don't know. I did this, I did this commercial and that's still like, it's awesome. I did a commercial where they were like, we need you to play, like, you're just going to be playing guitar on stage by yourself. And I was like, okay, I know how to do that. And But the funny thing was, they were like, well, you've got too many tattoos, so we're going to cover up one of them. And they covered up the tattoo that's on the inside of my arm, so they, we would have to redo the takes every 10 minutes because I'd be playing guitar and it would smear the makeup yeah. all over the guitar and stuff. And I'm like, you can't see it. We don't need this. You're going like, to you keep changing my shirt and Anyway, so I did this commercial, and it's online. It's really funny. Like, I'm chewing gum, playing guitar, and, like, these green streams come out of my face. Like, yeah, there's there's lasers and stuff. Um, and then I, I, every now and again, I would just get calls from, because, like, there's a couple of different casting agents that had my information, and I was just the normal guy, like, the different guy or something. Like, and... Than what Jonah keeps referring to, because <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm so proud. Are I you? I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's so See, cool. I think that everybody's making fun. No, of dude, I'm not making fun of you at really all. Like, do. I th- love that magazine. So it's, I think it's so cool. It was that was like, that was a really, really random thing. Uh, they put me on the cover of Esquire's Big Black Book last year. I remember last, Jonah told me about it last yeah. spring. Yeah, and. I got, see, that whole thing, that was a fluke because I got called just to be, they were like, we're doing a little section on creative guys in different fields and, you know, just shoot a couple photos of you wearing these clothes. And then I thought it was going to be like a thumbnail in the back of the magazine or just maybe I'd get a page and it's fine, you know. And and then um, my buddy Josh, who put me in touch with these guys for the shoot, he came into the bar and he he literally sat down. He was like, looked at his phone. He got a text message from the main editor. He's like, "Your buddy, the musician dude, is going to be on the cover." And they've never put a person on the cover of the black book. It's always been like a product shot or just text. Or yeah, it's like all black sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, next thing I know, I was on the cover of this magazine, like with a vellum sheet over it, and it was like my beady little eyes behind my glasses like shooting through Esquire and and then I saw a fucking taxi drive by with the little advertisement on the top the magazine was like printed a bunch of places I was walking with my wife and I was like holy shit and I was like pointing she's like what what she thought like somebody 
got hit by a car, and I was like, I'm on the taxi. And she was like, <laughs> she's like what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm a, that's me on the taxi. And she's like, oh, good job, good job. Um, so it, it's like, all just like been like I, I, me walking around, and then somebody asks me to do something, and I say, sure. And that's it. I'm not a model. As a musician, did you go, hey, can we, uh, do I get residuals for how many prints of that? Of course I asked. <laughs> of course I asked. Like, that's, that's why the, like the, the German TV commercial is still airing in, in the Eastern Bloc, and so I still get residuals off that. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And the mark is doing so well. Oh, wait, it's Euro. Have so. you ever done voiceover work? Because you've got a great voice. I really want to. You should. It's, really, a tough thing. it's tougher to get into than people yeah. think, but you sound, I mean, in the headphones too, especially, that's really real. Well, thanks. I did, I have done a couple of things. The last one, a um, good friend of mine uh, works at the UN and does uh, cartography and video editing and directing, and he uh, works with the humanitarian effort, OSHA, and they, they did a video for disaster preparedness in Mozambique. I did the voiceover work for it. And nice. so, like, in the Grand Assembly or the General Assembly, this video is playing, and it's just me saying Mozambique over and over and over again. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. I was thinking that as soon as you started talking, I was like, I don't remember his voice being so mellifluous. Wow. Yes. You like that? That's a really nice word. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it means. I don't either. It means honey dripping. <laughs> I have no idea if that means honey dripping. I just do that. Are you still doing art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Studio and the whole shebang? Uh, I moved my studio back home because I have better light and yeah. we have a second bedroom and that w- the second bedroom was always just a revolving guest house, mm-hmm. you know, like we always had people staying and then I got tired of people staying there so often. So I was like, <laughs> let's, let's take our room back. And, um, so now it's, uh, I've got a nice desk, easel and everything I need. And, um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still painting and drawing a lot right now. Um, my wife and I are working on a series of children's books, oddly enough. Really? And so I'm doing all the artwork. She's doing all the writing. And How long have you been married? Mm-hmm. How long have you been married? Two years. Right on. Two years. And we've been together for seven. And uh, That sounds about right. Huh? That sounds about right. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. And that's, that's all, I mean, my wife's amazing. We're a really, really good team. And she's very, very creative. And she's big-time hustler she she owns her own company and uh uh yeah so we're working on a series of children's books right now how'd that come about we just want to write children's books because that, that's an that's like voiceover that's another hard nut to crack yeah yeah we it was mainly like a lot of people kept asking me to do it because my artwork they're like you're good at illustrating so you should like do stories and uh, my girl kept talking about it and i was like all right well you write it and I'll draw it. How about that? And so she banged out the first book in a very short period of time. And then two years later, I finished the artwork for it. <laughs> Children's uh, book artwork is intense. As as someone who now, oddly enough, has many, many children's books that I never <laughs> thought I would have before. There are some where you're like... So you have kids. Oh, yes, yes, okay. I, yes, yes. Brad and I both have kids. Not together, separately. Uh, well, um, yeah, it's okay. We're separated. Yes, we're, se- we're separated <laughs> now. Okay. He took the twins, I took... Yeah, he, he took... The- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because some of the books are just like, this is... I can't believe someone put this together. This is dumb and has an award on it. I don't understand. <laughs> That's it is what amazing I'm going for. how dumb That's exactly what I'm going for. Dumb with an award. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, you- and there are several awards you can get. And then there's some that, that I remember as a kid that I'm reading. I'm like, well, now I'm just choked up <laughs> because I did not realize that early bird and corduroy were out of print and they had a big effect on me. <laughs> See, Brad knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's, it's really weird. We, Corduroy's not out of print. No, nah, it's still in print. Yeah. Early bird is, though. I don't remember that one. Well, there you go. <laughs> Philistine. <laughs> That's great. So you have a couple of a couple of children's books you're thinking of doing? Uh, well, this one it's a it's called the Woodland series. It's gonna it's gonna start out as a series of four. There's four animals in it, and so each one's like basically how they got to this place, the Woodland Pond, which is like a fictitious Central Park, if you will. So it's basically a park surrounded by this massive metropolis, and it's supposed to be you know any big city and uh, but yeah, so we the first one's done. Uh, we actually 
have a literary agent that's representing it. And so we just started uh, talking to publishers this past week. And so it's, it's interesting. I've never been in the publishing world, never done, you know, works like that other than, you know, music. So it's kind of like I started a new band and, yeah. you know, shopping for a record deal <laughs> in, in a weird way. But the the artwork, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's looks good. The story's great. It's all it's all poetic because she wrote the whole thing in iambic pentameter. Whoa, she's, she's good. Damn. Yeah. Very. She's. I mean, she, my wife reads like two books a day. <laughs> I don't know. So she writes. She writes very very well. She iambic pentameter. That's crazy. I don't know how she does it either. She runs her own company. She stressed, that. unstressed, stressed, undistressed, stressed. Um, what theater major? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, I feel like I should know what that is, yeah. but I don't really. What yeah, is it? It's every Shakespeare play. Shakespeare's an iambic pentameter, and there's 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 prose and verse. And whenever you hear someone sounding super pretty in Shakespeare, mm-hmm. it's in verse. Whenever you hear someone who's preaching to the groundlings, the, the crowd, you know, that's talking in prose, which is how we're speaking right now. Certain plays, Much Ado About Nothing is all in prose, if you know that mm-hmm. one. And then if... Um, you see, you know, Hamlet or Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet is in a lot of iambic pentameter. Yeah. Most of it's iambic pentameter. And then there's an iambic tetrameter, which is a different... It's different a longer... Shut up! It's <laughs> <laughs> longer. Can he you brought it up. Can you, uh, you have to give us an example if you're going to just talk about this stuff. You can't to just be give us or not to be, that is the quest. That is iambic pentameter. You add mm-hmm. shun on the end, that breaks it up because that's another stressed that yeah. that's an unstressed verse phrasing so if you say of it. if you do a midsummer night's dream where you have like two of the characters being chased which is a lot of shakespeare girl yeah. chasing a guy uh, the reverse because that's what he wanted uh <laughs> so you have uh <laughs> midsummer night's dream blah, blah blah um i love thee not therefore pursue me not that's iambic t- pentameter did it did it did it did it did it it's the same beat it's it's a heartbeat basically that's yeah. how you do it yeah, yeah. And pentameter, like the whole thing is in, within stanzas of five, yep. something like that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating stuff. So she wrote a children's book, Ambic Pentameter, because it's going to be way cool to read to them. She's very smart. You're a smart yeah. man. Timing. <laughs> timing. Yeah. It's all about timing. Um, yeah, it should be fun to see what happens with it. That's cool. And it's also smart to call it the Woodland Series, implying there's more than one, because literary agents like to sell that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So start at four, then we turn it into a big movie. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what happened to Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, which is nothing like the story. And and then, of course, it's all about the toys. Oh, God, yes. The toys in the cartoon series. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. I see it all now. <laughs> how do we get part of the back end here, Ryder? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, how, here you go. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> since, since we are recording in Rubber Track Studio... When you do the voiceover, when you do the narrative, which is going to be you telling the story, doing all the voices, because we've already decided that. Now, see, I, I want to do that, and I was talking about doing that. You should and then, do it. But my girl, she was like, I don't know, I think you might scare the kids. What? <laughs> she's, no. She was no. like, you've got too much of a sinister voice to be <laughs> like reading the children. That is, that is true. And more than likely, I'll cuss doing the whole thing, too. <laughs> And, and then, then the fox went down the fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> dad, dad, why? So. Because it's hilarious. Oh, right, yeah, I'll do it here. That'd be great. There you go. Boom. Done. Okay. Uh, what Handshake. Jonah told us, and by us, I mean me, because Brad was out of the room. Uh, Vox has a song in a movie. <laughs> well, please describe you rented oh, the movie. This is so funny. Actually, I forgot about this part yeah, of the story. This is amazing. So I'm hanging out at the bar with Ryder, like, I don't know, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Having some drinks, whatever. And uh, he's like, hey, Vox is in this new John Travolta movie during the closing credits. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, you check it out. I was like, all right. I like went home, added it to Netflix. Um, I don't know how much longer it was. A couple weeks or a couple months later, I get the movie watch the entire movie i'm like at the end i'm like why did i rent this movie end it like right before the credit go back and send it back. send it back and then ryder's like oh it came up again he's like did you listen to it? i'm like dude that's so weird i just saw that movie he's like yeah i told you to rent it. i was like yeah i rented it and i forgot 
that the music was in it. I just thought I like someone had told me about it, and it was supposed to be good. And then uh, I ended up renting it again and singing it, and it was great. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. You, the second time, did you watch it? No, I just I just went to the closing credits and heard the song. I was like, it was okay, fast forward. On it. Yeah, but it was driving me crazy. I was like, what? Because sometimes like I would I would add stuff to Netflix, and I would be like, like I get like Stepford Wives or something. I'm like, why am I getting this? I guess I'll watch it. Yes. So I feel like that had happened it's before. That. It's called Drunk Q. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So there you go. There's your audience, dude. Somebody heard Vox and said, we're going to put it at the end of this Yeah, flick. what was the name of the movie? From Paris with Love. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So John Travolta, Jonathan Rees Myers, and we'd ha- Chris, Chris from Vox had set it up because he had been talking with uh, a guy that's, you know, within the production team and so they, yeah, they used us. So, like, as soon as the credits roll, it's uh, the song, the single off Beyond Virtue, Beyond Vice, Are You With Me? And it was pretty awesome. Because, I mean, you know, it was posthumous. Band's dead and gone. And this comes out. So uh, we get invited to go to the premiere here in New York. And so all the guys flew out. I was already here. And uh, we get to go to the premiere. We're sitting three rows in front of John Travolta and his wife and uh, John Waters sitting right in front of me. So then you couldn't see. And No, totally you could see fine. He's like the weird robot in you know Mystery <laughs> Science Theater. He's just like super skinny. It's just a pole. And so he's just like, can see everything. It's fine. But the movie, honestly, is ridiculous. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's John Travolta acting as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. And like he's just one-liners the whole time. Like he drops a, a bomb out of a window and he looks back at the camera and goes, "Ka fucking boom!" Like, really, <laughs> <laughs> really. And but it was it was pretty sweet because we got to go to the premiere and then we got to go to like the big after party at the plaza. And you know, I talked with the director for a while, and uh, uh, my wife got to meet Jonathan Rees Myers. She was all stoked about that. He was a little glazed over, so I was stoked about that. <laughs> and uh, it was nice. It was cool. It was like a weird little reunion where, like, you know, the band got back together for a night and we got free food and free everything. We're like, all right, cool. High five. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Are, are the other guys in the band still playing with Melissa Oftermar? I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think so. Okay. Because they were, yeah, Joe, Chris, and Adam were the backup band. Were the band for her for uh, a record or two? They did a bunch of touring with her. I'm not sure exactly what's going on right now. Gotcha. Um, Adam is playing in this band, The Swayback. That's from Denver, and The Swayback's been around the whole time. Vox is around, and uh, Eric, the singer, is really, really good friend of mine. Uh, he, was, he was actually one of the groomsmen at my wedding. Um, but Adam has recently joined the band as the second guitar player and the new record that they just put out just came out it's called double four time it's fucking awesome so i'll get you guys a copy of it it's love really 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 good like i've always been a fan of what they did but like i listen to this thing all the time listen to it at least twice a day and uh uh they got to record some of the songs with Andy Johns, who did Exxon Main Street, right, right, right. Led Zeppelin Two. Yeah. So they got to work with this dude out in L.A. I'm unfamiliar with those records. <laughs> Which ones? Both of Steven's them. Steven's very young. He has. <laughs> um, this band, the Morning Stones, or something. Oh yeah, the Morning Stones. I like Call that. Stones. Let's form that band immediately. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good name. See, well, that's that's band name conversation. There you go. It's just something just kind of pours out, and you're like that. Well, I just want to end with, uh, can you do some art in this room for us? Right now. See you later. <laughs> I, I want to hear Ryder read a phone book. Like, he's got that kind of voice. We can do it one night. We can visit him at the, at the restaurant and have him do it. Oh, yeah, he works you. at the restaurant. Yeah, and nice. maybe we can, you know, we can record it and then it can lull you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, you can play that at night. Benjamin <laughs> H. Benjamin. <laughs> I, Benjamin, (laughs) 
Wow, this is awesome. Uh, if you've never heard Vox, you know, use, use the internets and check them out. Find some clips of them. If you find any clips of them playing a show, you're just going to see a bright light flashing at you. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know how... I mean, I think it would translate a little bit, but yeah, you, you, you blew it. You should have been listening to them when they were God. around. And if you are going to look them up on the internet... You should know the spelling. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because there might be some people that are just listening to this. They're like, this guy's in U2? What? That's weird. <laughs> V-A-U-X. Yes. It's good, good stuff. Uh, thank you all for listening to Going Off Track. Check us out at facebook.com slash going off track, at going off track on Twitter, and our fantastic website, goingofftrack.com, that has all the episodes that you may have missed. There's some good ones on there, just like this one. Check out our news page. We will, at some point, remember to update it regularly uh, because, you know, we've got lives, people. Let's be honest. Yes, we do. No, I, I, don't, I don't really have any. <laughs> yeah, I don't really either. No, we're just wasted time. <laughs> uh, but thank you for wasting your time listening to this because, man... People have some cool stories to tell, and uh, we'll hear you next week. No, wait, reverse that. Yeah.